morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Billy, the chart analysis expert, and NFT Tones is joining us on this Friday, so I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Starbucks NFTs are selling for thousands on the Matic network, as Sony is launching a new Web3 project, possibly bringing NFTs to PlayStations worldwide. Central banks are buying gold at the largest volume since 1967, as the SEC brought additional enforcement actions this week, telling Terraform's co-founder Do Kwon they'll see him in court. Hester Pierce is speaking out against Gary Gensler and his approach to regulation by enforcement, as Forbes magazine is siding with Ripple, now working to reveal new hidden documents with our community. And with this digital revolution already underway, we break down the details, showing our listeners how Ripple and Ethereum are the chosen ecosystems for American banks. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, good morning. Happy birthday week. How you feeling, my friend? We got so much news for today. I'm just looking forward to diving into it. But what's on your mind? Oh, my God, there's so much news, but let's not forget the most important thing. We first got to say good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there. You guys show up every single day in the chat, killing it. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys every single day. So a big thank you to all you and for all the birthday wishes. You guys have a lot of love out there. Also want to say good morning to my brother, Billy. Good to see you. And NFT Tones, and of course you, Abs. Glad to see you all. Always good to see you, Johnny. Billy, I'm excited to have you in the building this morning. And this week, I started my leverage trading journey. It's been since 2020 since I started getting back in the game. But you know what? I've been taking out some leverage shorts, so I'm not just a bull in this market. I'm excited to talk about it. How are you feeling today, Billy? And thank you for being here. Bless, bro. It's always good I'm in here with you guys. And it's good to see Johnny. Finally, I don't ever get to talk to you guys, man, except on Friday. So anytime I'm in here with the fam, it's always good. And always good to see Tones. NFT Tones, I bet you're excited as Starbucks NFTs are going for over $2,000 a piece this morning. Pretty crazy. And that game is only getting started. But how are you feeling? And thank you for being here, Tones. I'm feeling great. Uh, yeah, I, I. if you guys noticed, I've been posting on my YouTube channel all week this past uh, week. And I'm excited. I've been getting a schedule together between school and everything. And I'm excited to be here. So uh, go check it out if you have the free time. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get this show started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every single member of our team. Smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, Johnny Crypto. There's no reason to really address it, though, as some of the daily movers are not worth talking about. When we dive into the total coin market cap, we are sitting at $1.09 trillion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at 24,200, Ethereum 1700, XRP is 39 cents, Cardano is 40 cents, Litecoin just below $100, and one of our favorites Quant Network sitting at 140 flat. But Johnny, I'm excited to dive into this Forbes article they tried to scrape away from the internet because after reading it for two, maybe three times yesterday, what I realized is that the Hinman story is much deeper than we realized. So, well, I'm excited to well, share before that. Before you do that, Abs, bring those bubbles back. Let me know. There is something to get excited about. Bring those Look at the big one. Look at that big old green one. File, you know what's funny? We we talked about file last night on the on the late night crypto show with Jenna and Angelina, and the next thing you know, Gonzo texts me goes, "Holy crap, Johnny, files pumping!" So there you go. Maybe that's the 
Maybe that's the late night crypto effect. I don't know, but it's great to see file pumping. I love file abs. One of, one of the coins I have in my bags. ICP is another one. So I love to see those. But you are right. We are in the greed, which means everybody needs to be very, very careful out there because the smart money is going to be dumping very soon. Billy, I'm looking forward to the day when XRP is that big green circle. <laughs> but one of the things that caught my attention this week is that Bitcoin is finally looking optimistic, not only in the price chart from a moment, momentum standpoint, but we just touched the 200-week moving average for the first time in several, several months and for the first time in 2023, obviously. But Billy, what does it mean to you that Bitcoin is finally looking optimistic while the SEC is attacking crypto before our eyes? SEC is attacking everybody all the time, man. Uh, it's just one of those things. Just like we've been saying this was going to come for a while. Most of it, most of crypto would go away. Now you see them coming after platforms. Uh, now they're coming after you have to be this, this, and this before you can even have them to be able to sell them. So it's getting interesting. You know how I feel about Bitcoin, man. Uh, just It's coming up to that moving average. We got to close above it. We got to get some movement above that moving average. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes, bro. You know how much I love Bitcoin. Absolutely. Yeah, that's your favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, that's my, yeah, that's my next favorite. Thank you, guys. And NFT Tones, I'm excited to hear from you. I know you have a token to share with our listeners before we get into our stories for today. But before, what do you think about the Starbucks news? Is this something you're excited about? I know Maddox Price is currently pumping as well. Of course I'm excited. I mean, anything with NFTs excites me. But knowing the fact that Starbucks has a reward program and everything they're doing, I think that is going to be really exciting. My guess is there's probably not a lot of people involved, and that's why the prices are so inflated. But I, I think as more people get involved, I think we'll see a, a drop in the price as they let more people on board. But we'll, we'll just have to see. Absolutely, guys. And we got 214 live listeners joining us on this Friday. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're about to start the show off with an interesting update from one of our favorites, Gary Gensler here. So Gary Gensler and the SEC have filed a lawsuit against Doquan, the founder of Terraform Labs. He said this case demonstrates the lengths at which some crypto firms will go to avoid complying with securities law. But it also demonstrates the strength, commitment and the SEC's dedication to serving the public when it comes to SEC enforcement. Johnny Crypto, I'm excited to show the, our listeners the update just below this tweet that I laughed at before the show. But before we do that, on a serious note, what does it mean to you that Gary Gensler filed a lawsuit against Do Kwan? And even though they're operating outside the United States, Gary's taking, to, Gary's attacking them. That's a message. See, this is what we call, in the, in the mob world, you would call this a message, right? He's sending a signal. He's coming after him. But we knew that already. Right? We, we, we've been saying on this show that there's two sides setting up. And you could see it. Well, how, well, remember, USDC versus USDT. We know USDT was backed heavily by, by at the time before BUSD came out by Binance. So we know you could kind of already see the two sides were forming and were going at each other. And we know who said we know all the backers behind the USDC side. And frankly, to be honest with you, when you look at those two, you know, the, the people behind the people, I would not be getting betting against USDC. CZ's in trouble. The good news is he, he you know, he's not based out of the U.S. And they are the biggest uh, crypto exchange in the world. So I think they will survive this. But, you know, Binance U.S. may be in trouble. Maybe be forced to shut down. Who knows how that's going to play in the long run? Um, because I think there's something happening. But with Doquan, you know, for him. You're never going to see that guy again. He's on the run. Who knows where the hell he's at? And I, I don't see anything happening to him whatsoever, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, it's just kind of like it's a dog without teeth, if you ask me. Abs. I don't think the U.S. could do anything to him. 
Billy, I'm excited to get your take on this. As somebody responded directly underneath Gary Gensler's tweet and said, are you dedicated? All right. Okay. Actually, I'm, I'm going to preface this here. So he's talking about how Gary Gensler has been inconsistent with government regulation and how the SEC has been working diligently to hide the him and emails. Well, we got an update from a Forbes reporter stating that they're trying to get a hold of these him and emails and expose them to the XRP community. Well, that's what these comments are about here. He said, Gary Gensler is dedicated, all right. Three times the SEC has changed his position on the Hinman emails. Six times Judge Netburn ordered the SEC to hand over the emails. And one time Judge Torres ordered the SEC to hand over these emails. 18 months later and you're still hiding. That's what you're doing to protect investors. This is a joke. Billy, I'm going to give you the open floor. How do you feel about this response? Man, it's it's going to be really cold and helpful. We see those Hinman emails. Uh at least all of it intact, you know, I, it, there's, it's so deep. It's not just an email, man. There's so many players, there's players behind the players. Uh, it, it's a joke to think the SEC has ever looked out for our best interest ever. I mean, it's, it's all a, it's all a game. And when we were talking about the article before with Do Kwan, it, it doesn't matter until people are actually going to jail. I mean, if they're overseas, like Johnny said, that he's gone, he's not coming back. If, if he, I mean, with as many people he screwed over, uh, if he's even alive at this point, I mean, it's just just to be just to be real. I mean, you don't screw over that many people and still breathe and not be seen. So, yeah, it's it's yeah, that's all. It's an interesting time for sure, Billy. And one of the things that sticks out to us is we always say do as they do and not as they say. And I want to start this show off with an interesting clip revealing how JP Morgan was working with private blockchains behind the scenes while their CEO, Jamie Dimon, was telling the American public, you're an idiot for buying this project quoted as saying Bitcoin is a fraud. I actually got to discuss that uh, when he came to Stanford and got to ask him some questions around that. Um, the interesting thing is at the time, now he was making his comments unique to Bitcoin. Um, JP Morgan was inking an, a huge deal with Zcash. Uh, Zcash, the privacy coin. Um, so it's not that JP Morgan completely thought cryptocurrency, there was no there there. They were doing a partnership with Zcash. There you go, Johnny Crypto. It's not that they are anti-crypto. Whoops. It's not that they're anti-crypto. It's that they're anti-public blockchain. If we can see what JP Morgan's doing, they're not going to be happy because currently we can't. So why would they give us access to something that we don't already have? But I have a couple of comments I want to add after you. What does it mean, Johnny? Well, that's bingo right there. You you hit the nail right on the head and nailed that son bitch right in the ground. There, There is there, there, there. There's no doubt about it. But I was always, always, always wondering why they would allow us to see something that we can't see today. And we, and then we started hearing pretty quickly. I don't know about you, but I remember, I think we talked about on the show abs that, that, you know, Oh, XRP was going to come up with a private uh, blockchain as well, or ledger compared to a public one. So no surprise there whatsoever that whatever gets created, it's absolutely 100% guarantee will be a private chain. Or, or, you know, a portion of it will be will be able to be private because there's no way the banks are going to allow you to see the transactions that are happening. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And that's one of the scary things about them building on top of Ethereum, but using a private blockchain. A lot of that volume may scale into Ethereum, but we have no idea what they're doing. And that's one of the things that we're trying to get a hold of as a blockchain proponent. We need to be able to see what the traditional financial institutions are doing or else we're just going to be left in the dark. And it's happened a million times before. But Billy, we got 268 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I wanted to show them this article that was removed from the Internet yesterday as Forbes published an article stating why the SEC treats Ripple and Ethereum differently. And there were a couple of key differences, but one of them being 
<laughs> Gary Gensler's in the live chat right now. But one of them being that the SEC is financially incentivized to promote Ethereum because they are a part of the Ethereum Alliance. So I'm going to read directly from this document for a little bit, and then we're going to go back to the group here. So it said, regulators are not supposed to choose the market's winners and losers, yet it's hard to ignore how securities law are applied differently to the Ethereum Foundation compared to companies like Ripple. As the SEC case against Ripple Labs winds down after more than two years of public scrutiny, a judge from the South District of New York contemplates whether the judge will unseal the Hinman documents. These documents refer to a speech back in 2018 where SEC Director of Corporate Finance, William Hinman, was absent and explicit regulatory guidance. This was the best public instruction for crypto stakeholders to avoid enforcement action from the SEC. And the speech seems, I can't read this word, inscrutable. It declared that one of the assets, Ethereum's native token, Ether, outside of securities law, while the SEC launched a case against a similar product to Ethereum, Ripple Labs, seeking billions in penalties for virtually an identical product. Now, Johnny, there's a lot more details we're going to pull from this article, but right there, that's the beginning of the end for why Forbes had to pull this off the internet. So how do you feel about the SEC treating Ethereum completely differently and Forbes going out of their way to call out negligence? Well, I really feel, I, what I really feel sad about is, you know, that something like this has to get pulled just tells you there's no freedom of speech, freedom of whatever you want to call it left. Right. Because you, this is the kind of stuff, this is what, this is what journalism is meant to do in America. It's supposed to bring this stuff out. It's supposed to be un, untethered, untapped, and it's supposed to be left out there for people to consume. And yet when you see stuff getting off, it's getting pulled down. Uh, it just really tells you at the end of the day that, uh, the, there's a lot of limitations on freedom, unfortunately, of speech. Now, in terms of your question about how do I feel about the SEC going after one and not another, I mean, listen, that just comes down to what Johnny Crypto says all the time. At the end of the day, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And obviously, they've got connections with somebody on, on the Ethereum side. Uh, it sounds like they don't have as good of relationships with the Ripple side. That's That's my take on it. I could be wrong. The other side of the coin is they're holding them back because they want to release them later to be something big. I don't know the answer to the question, but those are the one or two scenarios I see. Here's what's interesting, too, is that Binance, I mean, currently Bitcoin mining was dominated by China back in 2017. And that was one of the biggest narratives we had in the crypto market is a lot of these crypto projects are dominated by governments that we don't want to be working with. Well, Ripple is one of the only projects not only founded and operating in the United States, but it's pushing and built for American institutions like Bank of America to facilitate on-demand liquidity. So it's completely backwards that the SEC is doing this. But Billy, before we continue reading from this article, what does it mean to you that the SEC is powerful enough to get this article pulled just one hour after publishing? What does that mean to you, my friend? Bro, they had a, they had me in, <clears throat> in a Costco line with a mask on like a damn sheep trying to get groceries one time. They can do anything they want. We. Uh, this just goes to prove everything else, man. It's about he who holds power. There was a comment in the in the comments that was talking about, it seems like there's nothing we can do about the corruption. And there, there really is nothing you can do about the corruption. What you have to do is understand the game and how it's being played and who and how the relationships are. We're just small people in a big ass you know, machine, right? If you can understand how the machine is starting to work and who the players are and how the relationships work, then you can try to free yourself from the matrix and from the bullshit because you understand it. You can't do anything about it. So to be emotional and be pissed off about it and, and go off and do all these rants and stuff doesn't do you any good. The best thing to do is like come in the academy, learn what's going on. That way you can make the best decision possible financially, spiritually, mentally, physically, everything, man. You can get yourself, you know, on one good point. But this just proves everything we've been saying, man. 
And guys, if you want to know how powerful Good Morning Crypto is, we got Gary Gensler joining us in the live chat. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Once we have Hester Pierce and Gary Gensler here, we're going to get into some interesting articles. But Johnny, I'm going to continue reading from this and kick it right back to you because this could be the most interesting update within this Forbes article. A conflict of interest explanation suggests that Hinman had a financial stake in promoting Ethereum over coins like XRP. Separately, the government watchdog organization Empowerment Oversight Committee sued the SEC to obtain materials that showed Hinman received millions of dollars in retirement payments from his former law firm, Simpson & Thatcher. Simpson & Thatcher is also an advocate and promoter of the Ethereum Alliance. And even the SEC warned Hinman he is not allowed to speak to them while he is currently working at the committee. So while he was warned by an SEC watchdog, he went out of his way to speak to someone in the Ethereum Alliance and then sue a competitor, Johnny. I'm almost out of breath here, so I'm kicking it back to you. I mean, <laughs> you want to talk about a conflict of interest? I mean, this is crazy. This bunny talks and bullshit walks. That's what happened here. Um, there's no question about it. Hinman didn't care. because I mean, think of the... Here's what I want you to think. Think of the arrogance of this guy who was told not to do this because the direct conflict of interest easily, easily um visibly seen right you can easily see that this was that he worked there and this was happening and he still did it so obviously he had no fear because again it goes back to what i said five minutes ago it's not what you know it's who you know and he obviously has friends in high places and so he didn't give a rat's ass Spot on, Johnny. And it reminds me of a Twitter thread that Tony Edward put out earlier this week. The reason Gary Gensler is not afraid to bring these enforcement actions is because he's been given authority by POTUS. The president of the United States has stated, Gary Gensler, you're free to take down the crypto industry and bring it within the traditional financial reins. Billy, I'm kicking it back to you. And then NFT Tones, how do you feel about William Hinman being exposed for making millions promoting Ethereum while sitting chairman at the SEC? And it's just like until people are held accountable, man, there's some kind of accountability measure in place. It means shit. Like all it is is you're going to be paying a fine. You're going to get a slap on the wrist. You might get pulled off a committee or chairman or something. But I want to see people go to jail, man. I want to see people doing some time. I want to see people locked up for this stuff. But until that happens, it's going to continue to happen. Exactly. And NFT Tones, I'm going to read this real quick and kick it back to you. Thinking Crypto exposed a little bit of groundbreaking news when it comes to crypto regulation in the United States. He said, I spoke to a source who cannot be named and they gave me insight onto the attack on crypto, aka Operation Checkpoint 2.0. This person worked in the government and is now operating in the crypto industry and said that green light, this attack has been green lighted from the top coming down from the Biden administration. This is why you see the SEC and CFTC as well as other agencies attacking crypto in parallel and also operating without the fear of consequences. So Billy, a little bit of inside information there. What does it mean to you, my friend? Dude, that's, that's huge, man. To say that, that it's a coordinated attack, especially from POTUS. Um, if that can be proved, man, I mean, not that it's going to do anything. I mean, he's an idiot. He does everything else he wants to, but this that's, that's huge. What is the why behind that? Uh, so what they're trying to do is they do not like what DeFi and stablecoins do to operate against the banking system. For example, with U.S. dollar tether, you can stake your tether and receive 4%. If the reserves are totally backed, they're doing something that the bank does in a better way. The bank is going to give you 0.1% for your money. Stablecoins will give you up to 4%, and supposedly it's fully insured. So it's a direct threat to what a lot of the people who are paying Gary Gensler and paying Janet Yellen, that's what they're afraid of. Another fun fact for our listeners – Back in 2020, right before the C-19 crisis, Janet Yellen went and spoke with Citibank twice, two 45-minute speeches. Can anybody on the panel guess how much she made for each of those two 45-minute speeches? 
$7 million in total. So $7 million Citibank gave her. I don't know what she could have said or done in those 45 minutes to earn $7 million, but I think it shows you why they're playing games behind the scenes and why these big banks are so afraid of crypto. So Tones, the floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, until we start to, like Billy said, until we start to see accountability and until like these people, like Johnny said, these people know people in high places. So until we start to see accountability and stuff start to be affected, these people are literally just going to get slapped on the wrist. Nothing is going to happen to them. So it, it's kind of a really scary moment for us because we know nothing is going to happen to these people and we know they're kind of just going to be out in the wild. So we really have to pay attention and hope regulation kind of works in our favor because it's kind of scary what's going on. Definitely, Johnny Crypto. And think about this, my friend. Forbes took down this article, Why the SEC Treats Ripple and Ethereum Differently. Well, just a couple hours later, we got some news about the publisher of this report filing to get access to the Hinman emails and expose them with everybody in the XRP community. I read through it before, the response to Gary Gensler about how the SEC has worked diligently to hide these emails. It might be devastating for the case if they are revealed. So, Johnny, what do you think it means that right after this lawsuit or this article was published, Somebody is filing to get access to the Hinman emails and then expose them to our community. It means that somebody at Forbes is actually still doing investigating research and reporting. There is a, a sleuth still out there, <clears throat> excuse me, as um, as we rightfully uh, called you the other day or that you were called. You know, and it's good to have that out there. I mean, I like the fact that we got, in fact, we talked about this last night on the, on the Late Night Crypto Show. We were talking about the fact that you know, could we finally see abs these Hinman emails because you now have a request for it? And and basically what, what Dr. Rosson was saying here was that the as a journalist, they have a right to have access to this type of information rather than stealing it from the public. And so I hope I hope. Well, <laughs> right. It's pretty much dead. But maybe there's some last hope here and we'll see if this gets um Approved. Now, I'm going to give you my 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 guess. I mean, I think this is going to get rejected. There's no way they're going to release these emails. They're basically going to say, here's what they're going to say. Okay, right. I'm not an attorney, but this is my guess. They're going to say, we have an ongoing court case going on and we're not able to, to reveal this stuff because of the case, blah, 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 and all that crap. So I don't think you're going to get to see these Hinman emails until, like I said, when the case is over and it doesn't matter anymore and nobody cares. That's when they're probably going to release the email. So that's my two cents. Billy, we often talk about how all the world is a stage, and we got some evidence of that this week as while SEC was coming after crypto exchanges and things of that nature, Hester Pierce was criticizing Gary Gensler and his regulation by enforcement. And a couple of things that stuck out to me in particular here, Billy, one of the quotes that I wanted to read was right here in blue. It said, the amendments would also expand the scope of its rules to apply to assets beyond just client funds and securities, including all client assets overseen by an investment advisor. This would now include cryptocurrencies. Well, Hester Pierce was afraid that most crypto assets being considered funds is not true. She spoke directly against what Gary Gensler had to say, stating the, the sweeping just about every crypto asset is a security statement also seems to be part of a broader strategy of wishing complete jurisdiction over crypto and under the SEC. So what do you think about Hester Pierce speaking out against Gary Gensler? Is this another example of all the world being a stage or is there actually conflict with the SEC when it comes to regulating this market? And it, it, he can't bring it into his purview, right? I mean, we can't, if he, if, yeah, bro, I, I don't, I don't know. You, I'm beyond my purview on that one. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm glad that she's calling them out. We have to have regulations, but we can't give them 
the power over everything. Like the devil's in the details because once once they get the power, they never give it up, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I'd like to hear y'all's opinion about that more. Johnny Crypto, I'm kicking it over to you, my friend. But one of the interesting things within this article is that Gary Gensler is claiming that most crypto assets are likely to be funds or crypto asset securities covered by the current rule book. Now, I completely disagree. And I think it's a very bold statement for Gary Gensler to state that's the case when there's an ongoing battle with the SEC right now debating this. Exactly. So what does it mean to you, Johnny? And then we'll go to Tones. Well, remember, the, the way something is offered is what he's talking about. And the way a lot of these SC, these cryptos were offered, they were offered as securities. There's no question. We know Ethereum was. There's no doubt about it. When you offer something out there in exchange for a return, and you promise them return, then you go build something with it or do something with that money. That is the definition of a security. And there's no question Ethereum did it. Uh, you could even argue that maybe Ripple did it again back when they launched. The point is, what we're talking about is the way things are operating today. And some stuff, ICOs, are probably still that way. So the reality is there is a definition and some things are being are following that and some aren't. And, and, they, and they can be applied to those rules. Um, if, if, you know, if we want to, the thing to remember about Hester Pierce and crypto mom is, you know, it's funny. We talk about, how, and I'm a big advocate of hers, by the way, but abs, I think it was you on this show last week, or maybe even the earlier this week, we showed an article where she was like the one that wrote up the lawsuit to go after library. Right. So I don't, I don't, you know, I, I, is she doing her job? Is she really an advocate? I guess we're going to have to really figure it out. But these new crypto custody rules is nothing more than what we said the uh, last week or two weeks ago when we had Yusko on the show. This is just their way. I told you this was going to happen. They're, they're slowing the party down. They're getting their grips into it. Like Billy said, they're going to have their hands into it. And then they're going to say, oh, okay, now it's good. So Johnny, one yeah. of the things you brought up yesterday, I'm kicking right back to you, is the fact that Gary Gensler defined traditional financial institutions are who should be holding your crypto. He said he wants you to move it away from entities like Coinbase, Uphold, Binance, and put it into people like JP Morgan, Bank of America, and those types of financial institutions, because those are the ones that are considered safe and have been regulated by industry participants. So it's a lot of wordplay there. But at the end of the day, what is he doing? He's taking money away from Coinbase, away from exchanges, and putting it back in the banks. Correct. And he's doing it brilliantly because he knows the whole world trusts these. And now you know why the, the whole FTX debacle happened. Because when you have a big debacle like that happen, excuse people, Gary comes out as a hero and says, hey, look, guys, you saw what happened when we let exchanges do it. You lose your money. But if you let these trusted banks that had been here forever do it, your money's going to be safe. And guess what, Abs? 95% of people... 95 are going to agree with that. They're going to say he's doing the right thing. You go and pull most people. I guarantee you they will say he is doing the right thing. They're absolutely happy what he's doing. Because when you talk to people outside of us, this group in our chat, everybody, you know what they know? They don't know crypto, but they know about FTX. Yeah, They know about Sam Dyke Freeman. They know how corrupt it is. They know how unsafe it is. And so, oh, they love Gary right now. So listen, don't fool yourself. Just because we here know what's going on, the rest of the world loves Gary. They absolutely love him. They think he's doing the right thing. And that's unfortunate. Well, let's expose a little bit of truth here for our listeners, guys. This is some groundbreaking oh. information for all of the people in the XRP community, and specifically if you have been watching the SEC lawsuit. Jay Clayton met with Gary Gensler in the CFTC in back-to-back -back meetings just one day before suing Ripple Labs back in 2020. Heath Tarbert left the CFTC in March of 2021 and is now the chief legal officer for Citadel Services, 
also known as the company I just described paying Janet Yellen $7 million for 45-minute speeches. So, Johnny, I'm kicking it to you and then Billy. Jay Clayton and Gary Gensler not only talked to each other one day before suing Ripple, they were working with the CFTC. So we often see, oh, is the CFTC trying to get hold of this? Is the SEC secretly? They are working together. All the world's a stage. Johnny, what does it mean to you? It means the late, great George Carlin was once again right. He said there was one big club. And you and I ain't in it, but we know who is. And obviously, Abs, go back. Go back once. I go back to that. Okay, so look at that. That was on December 21st, 2020, okay? Jay Clay meeting with Gary Gensler. Now, let's go back to that time. Okay, you could, you could undo that. Let's go back to that time frame. Gensler wasn't the head of the SEC then. He was an MIT instructor. Why is he even in this conference? Because they already knew Gensler was going to be. Great I mean, point. Great point. I mean, come on. They already knew it was coming. What well, it makes this, this, this is perfect. Again, yeah, genius. He was a genius, no doubt about it. So, Abs, you know, no surprise here. As we showed yesterday, the whole world, everything's scripted. You just got to know that there's a plan in play. And the reality is you're not going to know. Like, think about it. When you watch a movie, it's scripted, right? But you don't really know what's a, what the – you kind of know what the movie's about. But as the movie goes on, you get to see more and more, and you start to figure it out. And that's what's happening here. As we get more pieces, you start to see this was all planned. There's an agenda. The U.S. is going to take a backseat to crypto. We've been telling you for two years now it's going to happen. And now you're seeing it happen. And once they get their claws in it, the good news for all of us then, that's right, soon, once everything's regulated and they have all the control and if the filters or funnels are lined up so that the money pours into their pockets, they will then allow crypto to happen. And the good news for everybody here, all of us, Billy, you, me, Tones, and everybody in the chat, we are already invested in this so early that when that thing takes off, that son of a bitch pops off like a rocket, when they when they allow that, we're all going to be able to hopefully get, create generational wealth for our families. Billy, I'm going to pull up an interesting tweet talking about how the FTX collapse and Gary Gensler could secretly be responsible for the 2022 bear market. But guys, we got 343 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Billy, I'm kicking it right back to you, my friend. How do you feel about these new documents being revealed? And Gary Gensler, Johnny brought up something I didn't even think about. Gary Gensler wasn't supposed to be in these meetings at the time. He was just a professor at MIT, yet he's sitting there with Jay Clayton four months before being elected to the SEC. So what's it mean to you, Billy? I tell you what, man, that meeting that is documented is so relevant because if you are getting charged in a criminal case or a conspiracy case, that meeting alone would get you years because it's a conspiracy. And then you have the meeting happen or the, the charges happen the very next day with those movements and those players getting moved to those different. Bro, this that's like a Rico case out of a movie. If it was, if it was the other way around and someone was running that kind of game, it, it's, it's just unreal, man. But like you said, it's all a stage. It's been planned. They know what they're doing. They're not just going to, you know, throw, throw it on us. That's hence why FTX was done. Just like Johnny was saying, they, they create the, the fear and everything. And the first thing people want to do is, Oh, we got to get somewhere safe. We got to get somewhere where we know our money's going to be good. JP Morgan, et cetera. And it's just, it's all a game, bro. Absolutely, guys. And we got 358 live listeners. I want to pull up an interesting tweet in the background right now because BitBoy, Twi BitBoy Crypto called out how 2022 could easily have been responded or sorry, could easily have been avoided if we had proper regulation from Gary Gensler when he was working with FTX. So, Johnny, briefly, I'm going to ask you to take the floor and I'm going to pull up that tweet. Well, there we go. Well, yeah. So certainly, I mean, we look at this here. <clears throat> we talk about these meetings and what's happening behind the scenes. I, I really, really agree with Billy, man. When you when you look at 
God, it'd be great to be a fly on the wall to see what the discussions are and what's happening there. But, you know, at the end of the day, Abs, I think the good news for all of us is that we know we're in something where only 4% or 5% of the world is invested in right now. We know there's a whole flood of people that's going to come into this space in the next few years. And, you know, we talked last night, you know, with, with Angelina Love, she's a wrestler and she's gotten into the crypto space. And, you know, sometimes you kind of know what some of these technologies do from a use case and some, you know, like the ISO 2020, uh, 2,222 tokens, you know, have some, have are a great place to start investing when you're looking for a place to get started. So regardless, either way, but yeah, let's kick it over to Ben here and see what we got going on. This is a great update here from Ben Armstrong. And he actually tweeted this out in November of 2022. He said, I understand why you believe this, but it goes back to what caused the Terra Luna collapse. Sam Bankman Fried and Almeida was behind every single crash and collapse throughout 2022. And even Target was Solana FTX competitor. Think about it. Hopefully he's going to deliver some hard evidence on this soon. But I think the broader point here is Gary Gensler had an opportunity to not only work with, but regulate FTX and let it, he, yet he let it slip below the cracks. And here we are having to deal with the consequences as a retail investor where guys like Kevin O'Leary, even though they lost 10 million, well, they're still profitable five. So Johnny, I know we got to get to a Merlin ad, but I wanted to get your comments here. What do you think about Ben stating that FTX is indirectly responsible for the 2022 bear market? Yeah, well, there's no question that that was you know, a big part of, of it. I, I think we were headed there either way because of the, the liquidity that's been pulled out of the market. You know, we know that the Fed has pivoted and gone the opposite direction from when they were printing cash. So we knew, we already knew the whole world was going to see a big, big pullback in terms of liquidity. And that was going to hurt all markets. No surprise there. I think what's important here, what Ben talks about is Gary had multiple chances or the SEC, not Gary, but the SEC in general Abs had multiple chances to regulate and help. Uh, no, sorry, not regulate. Help a lot of these firms. They all went for help. Ripple went for help. Coinbase went to help to get their staking platform done. Kraken went to them. I mean, they're all going to that. Like, you know, it's funny. We keep hearing everybody saying, oh, yeah, you know, Gary keeps saying, you know, you should come into the SEC and come work with us. We want to work with you. And the reality is they have done that. They have gone to the SEC and tried to work with them. And the reality is what do they get? Pow, they get slapped with a lawsuit when they go work with them. And that that abs is really the sad part of it, the dysfunctionally dis dysfunctionality of the SEC that they are not. They're saying we want to work with you. But when you hear these companies say they've gone to the SEC, they come out and they tell you we went to the SEC. We can't we can't. They're not working with us. So where's the truth, abs? Absolutely. I'm looking for the truth myself, Johnny Crypto, but check out this price chart for XRP. Billy, I want to get some thoughts from you because I know that you do this for a living. Um, one of the things people have been talking about with XRP is we are finally approaching a hot zone. Every time we touch this area, we seem to get some volatility and now we have more evidence of that. So XRP is escaping the 300 day moving average here. Since December of 2021, XRP is struggling to close above the 300 day moving average. Recently, XRP is getting rejected, barely touching this line and then getting pushed back down. But we could be reaching a breaking point. And we always love to draw these Fibonacci's. I may as well just throw out some price targets. We could see a dollar twenty if we do get a breakout, potentially breaking that dollar ninety mark. But I do think it's going to take a major catalyst like the SEC lawsuit or another bull market. But Billy, I'd like to hear what it means to you, and then we'll roll the uh, Merlin ad. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a nice little bull flag forming up. We we definitely want to get above the three hundred. Uh, but I agree, it's going to take it's going to take a catalyst of some kind, especially a, a big catalyst like regulation, SEC lawsuit. It can't be any kind of uh, we're in partnership with the bank in this country or anything. The liquidity has to be there. The regulations have to be there. But we're prime. But I mean, we could take another level down. The market 
even in the stock market, we're going to take another level down here around May. So it's going to be interesting how things play out. But uh, it's it's one of those things that you have to look at it. What time frame are you looking at this? I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. So when I look at crypto, I really don't look at the charts too much because I DCA in and I'm just waiting for the big game, the overall picture for it to pop off. Crypto, you're going to like this update. As Andrew Cashflow was seen protesting in the Netherlands yesterday, protesters marched through the streets of Amsterdam to protest against the launch of a central bank digital currency in the Netherlands. Protesters argued that a digital currency was a threat to their privacy. And if you look closely enough, you may be able to find our good friend in the crowd. So, Johnny, what do you think about them being conscientious enough to protest this new technology? while a lot of people in the United States are unaware this is even taking place. You know, Abs, that's a really, really good point. You have a lot of people that are unaware of what's happening here. And, you know, kudos to all those folks out there in the Netherlands that are doing that. And that's that's really, really big. Uh, you know, Abs, I'm actually very, very happy to hear you say that, that they have the wherewithal. Because if you ask Americans, they don't have a freaking clue. They don't even have a clue what the heck a CBDC is. And by the time they learn what it is, they're going to think it's the best thing since sliced bread. Because don't forget, this is the narrative they're going to be told over and over and over for the next three to five years so that when a CBDC comes, they're going to be, oh, yeah, where do I sign up? Where do I get it? Um, I just feel bad for all those people in the Netherlands because at the end of the day, you know, you and I all know that while that was probably a great walk they went on, it isn't going to change a damn thing. The CBDCs are coming. There ain't no way to stop it. The only thing we could do is hopefully put ourselves in a position where we can, you know, create generational wealth off of it. That's probably the best thing you could do at this point. Definitely, Johnny. And one of the updates we got is that the SEC's attempt to shadow ban cryptocurrency through regulation by enforcement may not work to their benefit. And we're going to dive into that at the end of this episode. But guys, before we do that, we got 344 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We got a bunch of great articles prepared. But before we do that, here's the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Guys, we got over 2,000 people signed up and ready to join our 30-day free trial when we launched the Merlin application. And believe it or not, we are only a couple of weeks away from finally going live on this product. We are just perfecting it before we launch it into the public. So guys, if you're interested in tracking your crypto services, check out for the link down below, 30-day free trial. Give us our critiques. Give us our comments. We're open ears. But Johnny, we're going to continue with the stories here for today because not only is XRP looking optimistic, the central banks are doing something they've never done before, or at least not in the past 50 years. And this clip pretty much speaks for itself. Central banks are buying gold. What does that mean for us? What are the central banks doing because of this? Well, frankly, they are buying gold. Now we have the full year 2022. Keep in mind that global monetary system was changing 
in the 60s. And Johnny, I'm going to pause it here because she makes her point throughout this entire video. We have not seen central banks buy this much gold since 1967. And what happened in 1971? We moved away from the gold standard with the American dollar and went into the fiat system. So it's very interesting to see central banks doing something that happened just years before we had a global financial reset. So let's take that rabbit hole. What do you think this means for central banks? Could we see a financial reset due to the fact that they're purchasing so much gold? I mean, you know, what do we always say in the show? Do what they do, not what they say. They're buying the gold for a reason. We've never, the gold buying has been off the charts. And so, you know, we've always said on this show, you want to make sure you've got silver, gold, and crypto, and lead. Don't forget, I have lead to protect your silver and gold. And then tuna cans, right? You got to have some food because you can't eat silver and gold. So you want to make sure you got those four metals, right? Have those in there. And uh, hey, there's a shout out to our girl, uh, Angelina Love. Well, she was on Late Night Crypto. Come check that out last night if you missed that episode. She was awesome. But uh, Ab's so important to, you know, there's only one thing. Yusko talks about this all the time. There's only one true currency, Abs, and it's been gold. That's it. That's money. That's it. To try time and test it over 5,000 years or whatever it is. Gold is the only thing. So at the end of the day, when everything goes to crap or whatever, you know there's one thing that people will always fall back on, and that's gold. Why do you think the central banks are buying it all up? So to me, like I think any smart investor should have, and again, I'm not a financial advisor, not financial advice. Don't do what I say. Don't even do what I do. But you know, do your own research. But definitely, definitely abs got to have gold in your portfolio. I think anybody who doesn't is making a huge, huge, huge mistake. Physical gold. Physical. physical gold physical that's right it's got to be in your house yes. in your safe in your mattress wherever you want to put it but it's got to be like you said billy in your hands 100 percent. and one of our commenters said i don't understand why gold sellers just don't hold gold if it's really that important one of the narratives among the baby boomers has always been that gold is going to have this resurgence someday and there's going to be this global reset that puts value back into gold as somebody who's not a baby boomer i disagree i don't really see it coming I'm not sure about central banks using gold as a global financial reset as a way of denominating value. I see that as a possibility, but do I ever see a day where people are looking up and that $1,800 gold price is up 20, 30, 50%? Not anytime soon. And it really doesn't have any effect in the next couple of years. We saw what happened in 1967. They were purchasing all that gold. It took five years before we saw a new financial reset and a large increase in the gold price. So just because we're seeing gold purchases in 2022 or 2023, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to see any appreciation in price in the next few years. I think that's something important to keep in mind. But guys, we're yeah, going to go a little... Oh, go ahead. I want to just wrap that up. There's something that's very important to understand about gold. If people are buying gold because they're looking for an increase, it's not the way to think about gold. You're thinking about it wrong. Gold is there as a preservation of your capital and to fight inflation, okay? When you go look at what a gold coin would have bought you back in 1925, it buys you the same damn thing it buys you today. Go take a dollar from 1925 and tell me if you could buy the same damn thing with a dollar in 1925. No, you can't. And so that is the value of gold. Gold will always go. And so you've seen it. Like I remember when gold was $300 in the early 19, maybe you know, it was probably the early 2000s. And now look at it. It, it. it shot up 6X since then because it's keeping up with this change of you know the, the monetary inflation. And don't forget, it's also being manipulated by some of the biggest banks in the world. And yet, it still has the same purchasing power. It'd be even better if they weren't manipulating. But nonetheless, it's really the only true safe way to kind of offset 
the the printing of dollars now how's that going to work with go ahead billy well, i was going to say this too think about it if gold isn't that great and that important why does fort knox exist and why <laughs> yeah exactly so that's a lot. like it, it's used for everything i mean you think about computers and things like that there's even rumor to be said that you know they talk about unobtainium in the future that that's actually compared to silver that actually silver is the unobtainium because we use so much of it that is it's going to be depleted at some point in time. Like Ab said, though, I agree. It's going to be years in the future. But I mean, think think how much long, how long we've been holding XRP too. Like it's, it's we've been accumulating that too. So but yeah, you know what's crazy? Has our gas changed in the past fifty years? Has our water or food changed in the past fifty years? No, it hasn't. It stayed the same, and our price, our dollar, just keeps going down, and that's why we see the price increase. Well, just just like you said, it a, a thirty-two ounce Dr Pepper costs two dollars and twelve cents now. Uh, four years ago, a dollar eighty-nine could have got you a gallon of gas. So you look at the the value of a dollar right there. I mean, it's just crazy. Good point, Thomas. Yep. Yusko would be proud. He says that all the time. Yusko would be proud. And guys, this is a cool innovative update here as Ripple finds a partner to support their economic innovation. Ripple is going to be working with Cornell on a financial fintech innovation committee, including the advancement of a digital economy, as well as crypto and blockchain technology. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this story, but very briefly, Johnny, is this is this anything worth noting that while they're being sued by the SEC, Cornell is actually endorsing Ripple as a great financial product? Yeah, no, there is some significance. So you have to understand something. So a lot of companies, okay, in the world and, and the governments will typically, abs, will go to universities to do development for them, to innovate in them and form partnerships with them to take on projects, right? So that's a very, very common thing in the technology space. And to see, you know, that Ripple now, who's kind of being under question, is partnering with Cornell, you know, tells me that, hey, they see some value in the technology. That's actually a wonderful thing. You want the schools to be working with MIT. I mean, a lot of innovations come out of MIT apps. It started as a project that either a government might have funded or a company might have funded. And MIT was- runs a, a Ripple validator. So people always talk about, did Gary Gensler know about XRP before the SEC? His university was responsible for one of the first validators on the network. It speaks for itself. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. So now you have this. So now you got it spreading out to, you know, you got Cornell now that's going to be working on Ripple. So imagine now when companies come or, or, or corporations come and approach Cornell and say, hey, you know, we're looking for a way to solve this problem. We went, hey, you know what? We've got this thing. We researched Ripple. This is fantastic. Great way to get adoption to start with the colleges. I love this news. Somebody commented here, Johnny, and I think it's a valid comment. It said there's a lot of blockchains out there way and far better than XRP. Not sure if that's true, but he said, why does this one get all the light and attention? Here's a great example as to why. Brad Garlinghouse tweeted this out yesterday. It's a list of use cases that Ripple is currently undergoing within the company, but also using several subsidiaries to pump out XRP around the world. Companies such as Novanti, Modular, Tranglo, I remit money watch. Many of these companies provide global services for on-demand liquidity. And you may say, I've never heard of them. I'm not familiar. You're not in the industry. So if you were in the industry, if you were familiar with on-demand liquidity, a lot of these names would be worth noting. So Johnny, Billy, any comments here? Best list in the game when it comes to partnerships. That's why XRP gets so much attention. Well, I think it's a combination of a number of things. Like, first of all, the number is reason why we know about anything is marketing, right? And so they went out and they've been, they've got the big splash, They've been in the news, I think, in 2017 is when they made their big push of, hey, we're going to solve this. And I think XRP was actually the number two. I think it was the number two largest cryptocurrency. It was ahead of Ethereum at that point in time. So within this community, it gained a lot, a lot of um, 
awareness. And obviously, they've been building on that momentum of awareness for the past four years of solving a problem. Now, naturally, when you create something in 2013 and you're developing something in 2021, you, yeah, there all there will be better technologies potentially that could be. But the reality is getting those in and getting them adopted, very, very difficult to do when, when there's an incumbent you know, kind of already out there and doing it. So um, I think it's going to be one of those situations where not always the best technology wins, but but again, it goes back to... <laughs> who you know, not what you know. So we'll see how the whole thing plays out. But you're right, Abs. He's got Ripple. has got some serious, serious connections. Billy, I love this tweet from Alex Cobb here. It said a $25 XRP would be $1.25 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin reached an all-time high of $70,000, which was equivalent to $1.3 trillion in market cap. That means XRP has the liquidity to get back above $20. But Billy, what's so exciting is that Bitcoin is just a store of value and it reached $1.3 trillion. XRP has use cases for the banks, which is where all the money is. It could easily be a trillion dollar project if we had a real world use case. What do you think about this market cap? Is it realistic that we could ever see the $25 XRP? Oh, absolutely. I think it's realistic. Once the liquidity gets there and the use case of it actually gets going uh, and everyone's just waiting for like we talk about all the time, the regulation and the rules so companies can actually turn the switch on and, and put the money in it to actually run the rails and actually get it going. Um, I had a question, though. There's a lot of rumors, and I don't think I've ever asked this. Is it true or is it false that XRP or Ripple can run without the Internet? Can you still transact? Without it's the false. Internet? So okay. we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. It's a good comment, Billy, because it so one of the existing accounts needs to be on the Internet. You can have one account that doesn't have access, use a QR code and get access to the Internet through the secondary account. But it's really a play on words. One of the two accounts does need access to the Internet. Okay. Every single blockchain, Billy, has to have every single one needs it. You can't. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was wondering how that worked, if that was, if that was yeah. true or not. So that's why, so that's, why they, that's why they talk about if you know if they were to shut down the internet, yes, you can shut down crypto, and that's how you'd have to do it. Literally, you'd have to shut the whole thing down, and, and that it'd be difficult, but you know, we know that the internet runs through three main 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 companies, right? AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. So if those three could shut down, it'd be very, very Hindered, but I do want to make a comment on this. Abs, I'm not so sure I agree with the way way this is written, but I do agree with what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say here is, could XRP get to that price if the liquidity of Bitcoin? We know that Bitcoin is the liquidity for everything, right? We, they're all paired up together, and so that there is truth into this. However, what's not true about this is this would make the assumption that all the liquidity would go to just one 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 altcoin, and that's never going to happen. So I don't think this is realistic. Now, what's probably more realistic is one-tenth of that number or a quarter of that number. That could be something realistic. So for, for it to ever get to a $25 price, you would need the liquidity of Bitcoin to be probably more like four, five, six trillion for that to happen. And can that happen someday? Yeah, I do think we will. What do we always say? We say that this market could be as big as what, 10 or 12 trillion dollars potentially yeah. one day? Yeah. And with that being said, if, if that happens, Ripple and XRP will be the only documented crypto out there to have regulations there's not another one out there not one so there is nothing else any any investor or a company could invest in until they go through you know that suit themselves so i think that adds a lot of power to it as well mm -hmm. uh tones i know you had some additional comments floor is yours my friend and then we'll continue yeah i mean to be honest if we see a 25 dollars xrp it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me like we said this is a trillion dollar industry it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I feel like we could go higher than $20, but it's, it all depends on 
how the regulation affects everything. It all depends on how people view uh, crypto and everything else. I mean, I view Bitcoin as kind of energy and I don't know how everybody else views it, but it all depends on how people view it. And personally, I think that Bitcoin one day could be worth a million dollars. But once again, not financial advice. It all depends on how you view these crypto coins. And so again, I, I feel like XRP can go above $20, $25, depending on what really happens with Bitcoin and the entire market. Thank you, NFT Tones. And this is a cool article I'm excited to share. As Sony is eyeing an investment into the Web3 product world, and to just skip to the gist of this article, in November, they published a new patent uh, uh, allowing NFTs to be integrated into the company's line of products, such as the PlayStation. These unique products are going to offer tracking in-game digital assets using tokens on a distributed ledger and covers a system of tracking digital assets associated with video games. NFT Tones, what this tells me is that pretty soon, not only are we going to have real tokens in these games, we're going to have real assets that are going to be considered NFTs. Uh, Mark Yusko brought up something important earlier this week. He said, if these weren't called NFTs, but instead called, I think it was digital contracts or digital ownership, people would feel so much more comfortable moving into this market. So for the sake of this conversation, let's use those terms. How do you feel about Sony using a digital contract within their video games and what that could mean for gamers like you? Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's huge. I mean, how many people grind for achievements and stuff? And so let's say these achievements were ended up being soul bound and you ended up getting rewarded with uh, some kind of contract, digital contract, right? Or some kind of, I know you're going to hate me, but some kind of NFT. But if you get this item, right, and then you can sell it, or let's say these skins that you've been buying all these years for Fortnite or whatnot, they're not sellable. But what if they were? You could be making a shit ton of money because these assets that are now, they now have value that you can actually sell. Before, you would be stuck with them just in your account, right? And you can't do anything with them. They're just completely there. So I think this will give people value to their items and allow people to actually start to bring them from one game to another so they don't have to spend all this money on skins and stuff. Because I it, Rainbow Six Siege, I, I know I'm somebody who spent at least a couple hundred dollars on skins and stuff like that. And usually I'm against that stuff because I, personally I feel like it's a waste of money. But imagine if some of those skins that I bought from Season 1 are now sellable and worth thousands of dollars, then it would be completely worth it. But as of as of right now, complete waste of money. Similar product is being launched on the Starbucks blockchain NFT tones. And really quick before we get into it, somebody continues to comment, how early are we? We are early enough in the adoption curve right here, guys. We are about three years away from having a billion users in the crypto market. So if you're asking if you're early or if you're late, you are undeniably early. But these Starbucks NFTs tones, they caught my attention this morning as some of them were selling for over $2,000 on the Matic blockchain. Starbucks Odyssey, which is a coffee chain NFT driven rewards program built on the Ethereum scaling solution Polygon, says that early adopters are already flipping NFTs for nearly $2,000 a piece. Starbucks Odyssey, which was launched in December, stamps NFTs 360 total sales since December in the secondary market and 143 total in volume. The, the company has only released four NFT drops in total, but the current floor price on the first edition NFT is already over $2,000. Johnny Crypto, really briefly, one of the reasons it's so valuable is because one, it's the first ever NFT. So people are sitting on it saying, if I hold this for 10 years, it's going to be memorabilia. Number two is that they have a rewards program built into these NFTs. So you can receive free trips, free coffees, unique traveling opportunities. 
And I think it's just another way to get people excited about the crypto space. So to close this out for today, what do you think about these Starbucks NFTs? So I'm trying, I'm struggling here. So, so that was going to be my question is what is the utility here? What do I get for two grand? You're saying you I get opportunities such as traveling, free trips, free coffees, and a rewards program where you can accumulate okay. points so, and spend them wherever wait, you wait, want. Wait, 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 wait. How, how's that free if I spend two grand? I just go buy the trip. It costs me yeah. a lot less. Well, because if you bought your coffee without the NFT, you wouldn't get a free trip. And if you're already shopping at Starbucks and you're not getting these rewards, then you're missing out on that opportunity. It seems pretty simple. But don't these companies have reward programs? Wherever I go, if I go to spend Dunkin' Donuts, I could get a reward program for free. I don't need to spend two grand for it. But you don't get the same type of reward. So this is like a free trip. This is a free coffee. Like okay. I, I don't. I'm not a spokesperson here. I feel difficult defending the system. But it's very self-explanatory. It's a reward system. I just don't see the value in spending. It's because you're not supposed to. All right. So the point is. If you're spending two grand, it's because you, A, believe in the project, believe in its rewards program. B, like he said, it's after 10 years. These people are actually hoping that it has value after 10 years because it's the first NFT. They're making a gamble here. To yeah, be here's honest. what's happening. Here's what's really happening. Let me finish. Go ahead, go ahead. If, you, if you got this off the drop, which it probably cost you $100, right? It then was it free. Would be compl- what did you say, Abs? It was, even, it was free. It was free. So if you got this off the drop, you would have gotten it completely free. So my point here is these people are going out and trying to make an investment over here, hoping that they have returns in the future. But the real thing here is it was free. It's a reward program. And a lot more uh, companies, I think, are going to go this route and reward their loyal customers by rewarding them programs through crypto and NFT. Imagine being able to get a free trip get by getting a free nft uh, reward program w- reward card and then getting a free coffee or something or a lifetime supply of coffee i mean i would love a lifetime lifetime supply of jack daniels so uh if jack <laughs> daniels does that I, I know where i'll be all right now are you done now can i can i can i give the rebuttal here all right so here's the deal do you guys remember um gambling apes little doodles remember all these other incentivized programs, incentivized. So guess where they all are right now? Wait, wait, real quick. Which one of those companies was publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange? It doesn't matter. It doesn't No, it does matter. matter, I'm asking. No, I'm just saying it doesn't matter because at the it, end of the, the day. What's the answer, though? Because here's what's happening. You're just watching a pump and dump. Let's come back and look at who wants to Starbucks with all these other companies that are going to be doing this. Do you think these are going to be worth something in five years from now? I'll tell you what. You want to put your two grand in. Go ahead. I guarantee I'll make a bet with you a year from now. These things won't even be 500 bucks. Like I said, if you, you make the two grand gamble is if you believe in the project is going to be somewhere in the future. These yeah. NFTs, if they keep releasing them, and let's say the Series 2 NFTs or reward program isn't as good as Series 1. It'll give the Series 1 program or a loyalty program more of value. Or how about this? Let's say they go on to launch a series of NFT products, and this is the first one. It's similar to like the first Michael Jordan rookie card, for example. The first one is always going to be more valuable than the rest. But, Billy, we got about 30 seconds. Close this out, my friend. I was going to say – would you rather take the 2000 and invest in the NFT to get the rewards or take the 2000 and invest in the company? Boom. The company. Exactly. And all day long. Take that's that's a beautiful way to end the show, guys. Buy, so, buy your own coffee, man. 
On that note, buy your own coffee and sign up for the traditional rewards programs, not the $2,000 NFT. But guys, we got 302 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get the shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Oh, and Waters Above Crypto is going to be joining us next Wednesday at 1030 a.m. Save your money. Let's go.